Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Many of you know how much I love Georgia high school football, and I'm so proud of so many of the teams that we have here in our state, kind of in the Atlanta area where I live. One of my favorites is a program called Creekside. I just love their willingness to go play anybody, anywhere, anytime. There's a very tough brand of football player that comes from that Creekside program, coached by Maurice Dixon. I'm always thrilled anytime I get a chance to broadcast a Creekside game on television, on Peachtree TV with my friend Rusty Manziel, because Creekside always puts on a really good show. I just have a lot of respect for them and their players. And one of the guys uh, they have this year is a terrific defensive lineman. He is a giant of a man. His name is Makai Boyro. And in the case of Boyro, you know you're talking about a guy that is about 360 pounds you know kind of that classic nose guard uh space eating defensive lineman kind of a one-man run-stopping machine and when he comes you know from a state like Georgia a state that I love high school football in a program that I respect I'm not gonna lie to you I really wanted Boro to come to Georgia I really wanted Boro to be a part of this Georgia program but credit to the program down south we don't like very much those lousy stinking gators uh lousy stinking gators came into atlanta they won that recruiting battle from makai boro a couple of what months ago now they won that battle they got that commitment and sometimes you have to admit hey you can't get every player that you want sometimes you wish you could but you can't always even the lousy stinking gators every now and then they're going to win a recruiting battle but What we also know is, is that Georgia doesn't take no very easily. Georgia doesn't just sit back and wave the white flag when it doesn't quite get the recruiting uh, win that it wants to get. Oftentimes, that makes Georgia fight even harder. In fact, last night on Before the Edge is presented by Kroger, a recruiting show hosted by Jeff Sindel here on the Dog Nation video channels. Makai Boyro, the terrific defensive lineman from Creekside said that even after Boyro had made the commitment to Florida, that Georgia never stopped recruiting him. This is what Makai told Jeff about that last night. No, nah, they didn't let up at all. They was they was calling me, hitting me up every day. Coach Smart was on me. Coach uh, Scott was on me. Everybody. So yeah, he says Makai Boyro there says that did not let up at all. Never gave up. Never stopped fighting. Never did anything like that. They just kept fighting. And guess what? There is a reason that a program like Georgia keeps fighting and keeps doing what it's doing uh, with a guy like Boro or any other recruit they never choose to give up on. They keep fighting for, keep making their pitch for, because oftentimes it's that second, it's that third shot, it's that fourth chance that sometimes actually results in what you want. Because guess what? That recruiting win that Florida supposedly had gotten from Kai Boro a couple of months ago, well, apparently that's completely de- uh, uh, just disintegrated into thin air here now because this week, many of you are already aware of this, Boro and I'll show you this on the screen, announced his decommitment from Florida. He says, I'd like to start by thanking the University of Florida and its staff for blessing me and my family with a great opportunity. He says, I appreciate Coach Spencer and Coach James for recruiting me, but after taking uh, talking to my family and the loved ones uh, and uh, lots of consideration, I am decommitting from the University of Florida. And that's all I need to know right there. If he's smart enough to realize that Gainesville, Florida is not the place for him, then Boro is smart enough for me. And many of you would say the same thing there on that. And the cool 
cool thing here is fresh off a situation in which Boros said himself last night that Georgia hasn't stopped recruiting him and after publicly announcing his decommitment from Florida saying that he made that decision too hastily and now he realized he got to open things back up again Florida's not the right place for him many of you are also aware that Boro is going to be on campus for Georgia on Saturday when Georgia gets ready to host South Carolina now we're going to get more in the next couple of minutes into the details around a lot of the other elite recruits who are also planning on taking their visits here to Georgia this weekend unofficial visits and being a part of a great atmosphere between the hedges but what makes this fun is is that not only does Georgia kind of set up for a wonderful atmosphere to beat up on an SEC foe like South Carolina on Saturday as it does so you can look down south and see those lousy stinking gators down in Gainesville gnashing teeth and so angry about the fact that once again it seems like Kirby Smart and Georgia have kind of gotten over on Florida once again these head-to-head battles between the gators and the dogs perhaps once again it's Florida kind of taking it on the chin here and you hate to hear this because you never want a young man have to go through this but it also gives you a little bit of a chuckle knowing how frustrated Florida fans remain with Georgia at all times Boyro told Jeff Sintel last night and before the hedges that yeah he has been hearing it from Florida fans they are not happy with him because of a decommitment from the lousy stinking gators and now a visit to Georgia they are not happy with him at all this is fun to hear here's a Makai from last night man it was it was a lot of hate got a lot of hate but I kind of zoned the hate out and just I did what I felt was good for me and I had a lot of support to help me through the hate got a lot of hate from Florida fans now listen I don't want the young man to have to go through that because anybody in kind of a high school stage of life shouldn't have to hear that from grown adults but putting that aside (laughs) if Florida fans are that mad that must mean that Georgia is doing something right now I'm not going to guarantee that Boy Rose is going to end up at Georgia. But I hope I hope that he does. I like what a guy like that brings to the table. Big space eating defensive lineman. But we know Michigan's going to be a factor here. You can, I guess, presume some other SEC teams are going to be a factor here, there as well. So I can't guarantee you that he goes to Georgia, but I can guarantee you this. The fact that he's at Georgia a couple of days after decommitting from Florida, and the fact that Florida fans are all up in the mentions and all up in the uh, social media stuff, mad about this, that just makes Saturday's environment for San Francisco that much sweeter. So that's kind of a fun thing to see. If they're this mad, then that must mean that Georgia and Kirby Smart are doing something right. We certainly get the impression that's the case. But in addition to that, other big defensive linemen are expected to be in the building on Saturday too. And the timing of this is also really interesting there as well. Aiden Breland uh, from out of modern day high school out there in California. He has recently dropped his top three. And uh, Georgia's obviously uh, you know, a, a part of this. We'll show you this on the screen here. Georgia along with what uh, Miami do we have the uh, Breland screen grab here uh, maybe not but uh yeah there we go Georgia along with Miami and Oregon as finalists uh for uh Breland here right now timing on this could not work out any better because fresh off kind of announcing that he's down to a th- uh, final three and what seemingly is sort of moving towards the end of his recruiting process here Jeff Sintel also told us last night that in addition to the presence of Makai Boyro you also get the presence of Aiden Breland in the building on Saturday there as well uh this is what uh, Jeff Sintel said about that last night on before uh, he's visiting georgia on an unofficial visit he saw georgia in the in the summer in june on an official visit he also saw miami he also saw oregon he's cut his list down to a final three the dogs i've always kind of felt if the dogs get a visit for the south carolina game watch out there he's going to be in town he's got a final three it looks like he's getting closer and closer 
to maybe the end game of his decision. That's a big thing to look about. That is a very big thing to be looking for on Saturday as Breland comes in, fresh off announcing a top three, another big-time recruit that Georgia has a chance to host on Saturday. Now, you also know this, and speaking of folks down there in the Sunshine State, probably not being too happy, apparently uh, seven-figure type uh, you know, expenditures don't quite buy what they used to because for, for Florida State, that doesn't even buy them exclusivity when it comes to uh, the five-star uh, defensive back, uh, K.J. Bolden, who there's been a lot of reporting on this week, including from Steve Wilfong from 24-7 Sports, uh, that Bolden's going to be back on campus at Georgia here this weekend for the South Carolina game. Now, he's going to still be going to you know plenty of Florida State games, and obviously we're not ready to tell you that means that Bolden is on his way to flipping from Florida State to Georgia. We're not. But we did tell you this, the moment that Bolden committed to Florida State, we came on the air both that night, the next day and said, we didn't think this recruitment was over. Um, And I think the events since then have kind of proven us to be right about that. Ultimately, ultimately, I'm not going to make a prediction about where Bolden ends up. And obviously, the safer money would probably be that he remains a part of Florida State's class if they hold the public commitment. That has to mean something. But uh, it has been our expectation that Bolden would come to at least one Georgia game here this year. It's the South Carolina game that he's coming to. Sometimes recruits uh, take a visit just to see a football game, take a visit just to be a part of environment. Maybe he wants to just hang out with his uh, good friend, the quarterback, uh, Dylan Riola. But in the case of Bolden, this situation, while sometimes recruits are simply on kind of a sightseeing venture, in the case of Bolden, I think we're led to believe it, it's perhaps a little bit more than that for uh, reasons we won't you know, fully unpack here right now. So that's another thing that makes the game there fun on Saturday. All these elite recruits, Georgia having a chance to sway them, and the presence of these kind of five-star type names uh, are the kinds of thing that are going to, I think, heighten the anticipation of what's going to go down between the hedges on Saturday. And, and I'll be honest, and then after this we'll wrap it up and talk about something different. This is the stuff that I live for almost as much as anything else. Like I love George winning championships, but the purpose of the championships, as far as I'm concerned, is to create the kind of big moments that a season provides. And that's really what a season is, right? It's a series of moments that you remember. And a handful of those are home games, a handful of those maybe road trips that you take, including our Dog Nation invasion of the Tennessee River coming in November. But each season really, really kind of boils down to a handful of memories that you keep with you for the rest of your life because for some of us this is really what we this is our number one pastime this is what we love we love college football and i think this saturday is going to be one of those memories kirby smart's already challenged georgia fans we believe that georgia fans are going to meet that challenge uh the presence of a bunch of elite recruits going to make the atmosphere even a little spicier a little more interesting uh we're going to talk more tomorrow about the demonstration of georgia kind of reminding everybody about what it is in terms of a comparison to the rest of college football I think it sets up to be a huge day. Awful for South Carolina. They're going to be the team on the receiving end of all of this because everything I think right now speaks to a massive, massive showcase for Georgia. Letting elite recruits know that the future is just as bright as the present and letting the rest of the college football world know that this is still the capital of this sport and that's not planning on changing anytime soon. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and we are happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us. Uh, first and 15, dognation.com, dognation, that's 945. All other video platforms at 10, radio, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, podcast, all the podcast platforms. Uh, we love our podcast, folks. Just glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us. And a huge thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp, who make it all possible. Your source for Georgia divorce and for many of us uh 
divorce just kind of ends up being a little bit of a reality. Many of you, I should say, just kind of ends up being a, a little bit of a reality, right? It's like you want to try to avoid that. And if you can't avoid it, I believe you probably should. But for some people, you've tried everything you can to save the relationship that you're in, and you just sort of realize it's kind of unsalvageable. It's just severed, and it's not going to be able to be repaired. And if that's the reality that you have confronted, well, first of all, I am truly, sincerely sorry for you. But the next best thing, I believe, then is to kind of get to work on kind of having the most satisfactory outcome possible for you and your family and everything that's kind of impacted by all of this and then setting yourself up for a more enjoyable happier successful next season of your life on the other side of this marriage that's come to an end and that's really what our friends at Meriwether and Tharp are all about they want to understand your situation they want to hear your story and sometimes in life it's just sort of nice to be able to tell your story you can tell it to them they'll listen they'll understand about your scenario what's specific to you because while there are thousands and thousands of these experiences they've had in the past your situation is somewhat unique and specific to you. And so they want to understand that. And plus, they want to hear from you what the best possible outcome in your mind is and then use the law to try to get that scenario put together for you. And that's exactly what Mary Weather and Thrive wants to do. So once you find them online, it's the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. That's the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. Mary Weather and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. So quick update on something we've told you about here a little bit this week. Uh, Dog Nation invasion of the Tennessee River. We kind of knew this was the case. We knew that we were going to kind of blow through this so, so quick. And we have. Uh, we'll officially announce here. We've done this now, but we'll officially announce here the Dog Nation invasion on the Tennessee River is officially sold out. Had a few folks reach out to say, well, B.A., how about a second riverboat? <laughs> I don't quite know that we're going to be able to pull off a second riverboat here, but we can do the next best thing. We can put a waiting list together because here's what I can tell you. We're going to try to get as many people on the boat as we possibly can. We obviously are because we want as many people to have fun with us as we can. Just more people makes it more fun. We're obviously limited by like maritime law and things like that in terms of how many people you can get on a boat. So what we can do for you is give you a wait list. So if you go to dognation.com, you can get on the wait list. And obviously not everyone on the wait list is going to get on the boat. We certainly understand that. But some people on the wait list probably will. So get on that wait list. We're going to see what we can do here see what we can figure out and if we can get you on board we obviously want to because we think it's going to be an incredible time so please go dognation.com find the uh, tab for the dog nation invasion the tennessee river totally sold out we talked about florida fans being big mad you know we were fighting wars on so many fronts right now gators fans are always mad about something tennessee fans are furious over the dog nation invasion of the tennessee river and guess what we're just sailing right along happy as ever because uh if these folks are all this hot and bothered that means the dog nation's exactly where it needs to be so uh dog nation of the tennessee river tennessee fans are enormously upset about this but it's going to be one of the most fun events we've ever done and we want you to be a part of the wait list if you couldn't get your tickets already get on the wait list we'll see if we can get a few more folks on board our wonderful, wonderful boat sailing down the Tennessee River for Dog Nation Invasion. It's a three-hour tailgate experience. It's going to be an incredible time. Make sure you check that out online at dognation.com for more on that. It's Terrence Edwards coming up here in a minute, too. Prior to that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse, and it's presented today by Serve Pro. And I want to talk about Carson Beck here for a moment because I really think that, that Saturday can be and probably needs to be a pretty big day for Carson Beck. And I want to talk specifically going back a couple of weeks ago, something that and credit to Carson Beck, who acknowledged this, that when Carson made his first start for Georgia after having not started a game of any stripe since he was in high school back in 2019, 
only playing sparingly, sparingly, I should say, in his you know first few years here at Georgia, the moment of kind of having the spotlight on you being the starting quarterback for Georgia, um, at that particular time, uh, Carson Beck admitted a couple of weeks ago that, yeah, you know what, there's a little bit of butterflies in the stomach around something like this. This is what Beck told reporters about that, that nervousness, that anxiousness um, after the game against UT Martin a couple of weeks ago. This is what Carson Beck said then. Did you have a little bit of nerves or anything like that in your first Of course. Game? I mean, I mean, of course I had nerves. It's been a while since I've been out there and played. Um, even from last season. I mean, the last time we took the field was in January at the national championship. So it's been a lot of months and we put in a lot of work. So I was super excited to be out there, though. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's an honest admission. And I think that one thing that athletes and people that really kind of do anything in kind of the public space, what I think you learn eventually is, is that just because you notice the nervousness doesn't mean you have to be impacted by it. You can notice it without being impacted by it. And I'm sure that's the journey that Carson Beck's on right now, the same way all elite athletes are when the TV cameras are on, when the crowd is in the stadium, when the band's playing, when all that's kind of going on. Of course, that's going to feel a little bit different than a scrimmage or a practice or something like that. But just because you notice the difference doesn't mean the difference has to impact your performance. And that's the kind of thing that a guy like Carson Beck is learning. But the reason why I bring up the nerves is because, once again, honest admission, Jake Fromm, when he was on our show last week, said something about his journey as a Georgia quarterback that I thought was incredibly fascinating. So for many of you, you'll remember this. But if not, let's get a reminder here. So Jake Fromm began the 2017 season. That was his true freshman year at Georgia. He began the 2017 season expected to be the number two quarterback. But in the very first game, right from almost the beginning of the game, a little bit like the Aaron Rodgers situation almost, uh, although it wasn't as serious an injury, but Jacob Easton, the Georgia starter, got hurt very, very early in the game. Jake Fromm came in. And then Eason was too hard to play the following week. And so Jake Fromm made his first ever start. Can you imagine this? Especially for a kid that grew up loving college football. He made his first ever college start on the road the following week at Notre Dame Stadium. George hadn't played a non-conference game of that magnitude in decades. Uh, the first one was Jake Fromm's first ever start. I mean, can you imagine the nerves that Fromm must have been feeling? At least we can perceive that must have been incredibly anxiety-producing, incredibly you know, you know, nerve-wracking of an experience. But what Jake told us last week, and I think this is fascinating, it's the kind of thing that doesn't you know probably it's not what you'd expect to hear but it's it's so honest that it has to be true that jake said hey my actual most nerve-wracking moment though wasn't coming into the game out of nowhere against appalachian state and it wasn't going on the road to notre dame it was the game the following week against mississippi state his first sec start that's the one that jake said actually probably produced more butterflies in him than almost anything else this is fascinating this is jake from from our show last week take a listen to this for me, I felt way more nervous going into my third game playing my second start uh, at home okay. than I ever did playing Notre Dame. I don't know why, but I'm like, man, I, I got to go out. I got to play great. You know, got to start fast. That's interesting. Um, very similar type games um, because you're just expected to play great, basically play perfect. So that's Jake Fromm, who's kind of been, you know, in the arena. I guess that's what the, that's the uh, you know famous line from uh, Roosevelt. Kind of been in the arena, so he kind of knows what it feels like to be a Georgia starting quarterback. And what he would say is, it's not as intuitive as you think. You would think that big nerves when you first come into a game, huge nerves for like the biggest game that everybody remembers at Notre Dame. Then it gets easier after that. But what Jake said 
all of a sudden now I'm kind of settled in. I'm the starting quarterback, and now I'm expected to play well. And all of a sudden now I have to show up with some expectations. Everybody in 93,000-seat stadium looking here at me, expecting me to do well. And he said that actually created an additional level of nerves for me once the season started kind of going on. And so for Carson Beck, who to his credit was more than happy to be honest and say hey a little nervous about that first game against UT Martin a little bit of butterflies about kind of being in a role I haven't been in before what Jake Fromm would say and perhaps he's even said this to Carson but uh, what Jake Fromm would say is that nervousness didn't actually go away from me after a couple of starts if anything it got ratcheted up because now I really am the guy and all of a sudden now I'm expected to take my performance to the next level now What's interesting here is, and once again, this is where I believe if you're a Georgia fan, you hope that you can draw a parallel between Carson Beck and Jake Fromm, is in that game that Jake says he was so nervous, that next start for him uh, against Mississippi State, in that particular game, you know how it began. It's the flea flicker, ball back to Jake. Jake throws a strike to a long bomb to Terry Goblin, and the route was on, and Georgia blasted Dan Mullen in Mississippi State, much to the delight of so many of us. And looking back on it, it's even more fun to think about here now. And so knowing that Jake had those butterflies, knowing that there was that little nervous anxiety about now being back home, you're getting all these pats in the back, and everybody thinks you're like a freshman phenom, and you're just ready to show the world how good you are. What did it feel like to kind of fight through those nerves and make such a big throw at the very beginning of the game? Once again, last week on the show, Jake told a great story about that. It's relevant for what Carson Beck's going to go through on Saturday. So let's hear Jake Fromm on that flea flicker moment to begin the game against Mississippi State. That was talked about all week. It was a for sure thing earlier in the week. I think we had missed one in practice, okay. and then Kirby wasn't feeling great about it. And you know, we were just trying to, you know, hey, coach, we got you. We, this, this is it. It's going to work. And I think, you know, uh, they uh, they signed off on it, and we we got it done. So, uh, man, anytime you get an opportunity to to take a shot early in the game, uh, I think it, it it means a lot. It sends a message early. I mean, can you imagine here for a moment? I mean, Kirby Smart's kind of an old-school, very serious-minded coach. I don't really think of him as sort of a flea-flicker type guy. Perhaps he would say he is more of that than I would give him credit for being. But I don't really think of Kirby Smart as being like, hey, let's find the trickiest play we can run. That, that just doesn't really feel like something that Kirby Smart wants to do. It seems like he wants to sort of win a street fight more than anything else. And so it would sort of seem like he's kind of against the idea of a flea flicker to begin with. At least that's kind of the thought you'd have. And so if they're running in practice and it's not going that well, you better believe, as Jake said, of course Kirby Smart's kind of souring on this idea of, I'm not sure we should do this in our SEC opener. Because remember, Georgia was only a slight favoring against Mississippi State. We think of you know Georgia now as throttling everybody. There were plenty of people coming into Athens that day that thought that Georgia was a ripe for an upset. This was not a Georgia team that had won two straight national championships. This is a Georgia team that had only been eight and five a year ago, you know, you know, kind of scuffled its way through a win at Notre Dame, a team that had also not been very good the season before that, too. So the Georgia brand wasn't quite in September of 2017 what it is in September of 2023. So so, you know, this idea that you're playing with house money and you just run a flea flicker to begin the game, that's not exactly what Georgia had going for back then. And Jake says, hey, we weren't even doing this very well during practice, but uh, they convinced Kirby, we got you. We promise you we can do that. So the moral of the story is this. Jake Fromm says for that next start after Notre Dame, I was incredibly nervous. And yet he fought through those nerves. He fought through that anxiety to make a big throw at the beginning of the game that changed the tone of the rest of the game. 
Wouldn't that be a great thing for Carson Beck to be able to do on Saturday? You've heard me say before, if you're a regular listener, that sometime this month, I'd love for Carson to have his moment like Stetson Bennett would have had against UAB in uh, 2021, where he you know, set records and had a huge stat line and kind of gave you a hint of how good he could be. But maybe this is like the next step towards doing all of that. Jake Fromm let everybody know what kind of team Georgia was and what kind of quarterback he could be with that first big throw against Mississippi State. It's a flea flicker executed to perfection. It's the kind of long bomb touchdown that caused Mississippi State to wilt just like that. And on Saturday, I think that that Carson Beck's going to have his chance to make a big throw like that too early in the game. Probably not a flea flicker, of course, but it still can be a big, long bomb type throw. And listen, the entirety of this game does not rest on Beck's shoulders. But in terms of Georgia having a chance to assert itself to the full degree that it possibly could, clearly a big game from Carson Beck is one of the ways that could be achieved. So let's watch early. Let's see if Carson Beck can have his Jake Fromm moment. Fromm, in his first SEC start at home, makes the play that everybody remembers. Can Carson Beck have something similarly memorable happen for him on Saturday? If he can, it could be a setup for a really fun season still yet to come. And that is Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at ServPro, restoration specialists. That's what they are. Talking about cleanup here, fire damage, water intrusion, all those types of things leaves a huge mess. And our friends at ServPro know how to put it all back together, clean it all up like it never even happened. That's what ServPro is all about, because let's face it. When you're facing a significant situation like that, and we, as I said before, last week we had the Surf Pro folks back in our building here again, not on our floor, not on our, uh, you know, particular, you know, Dog Nation World headquarters, but certainly in the building. And when you're talking about that kind of mess, that kind of cleanup, you want experts at getting it done. That's what the restoration specialists of Surf Pro are. Also, each and every Surf Pro franchise is independently owned and operated. I like that because. This is not, you know, one of those things where you can't get individual service or the people that you're working with don't have a vested, you know, interest in your outcome. They want success for you as much as you want it for yourself because that's how they're building their business and their livelihood. So that's what our friends at ServPro are all about. So please find them online, servpro.com. That's S-E-R-V, servpro.com, bringing around the doghouse to us here today. All right, I mentioned the name of Stetson Bennett a moment ago. Um, I will tell you that obviously there was some very, we'll call it odd news that kind of uh, came out of the uh, LA Rams yesterday trying to make sense of all of this we'll address the Bennett stuff on the show before it's done we'll tell you what we know as of right now uh, as it relates to Bennett's status of the LA Rams that's before we're done but for uh, now something more fun than that Georgia getting ready for South Carolina on Saturday what we might see some cool wrinkles from Georgia perhaps let's talk to a guy who has plenty of insight in all of this it's the former Georgia wide receiver Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether and Tharp here today From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. And before we get too deep into talking about Georgia football, Terrence Edwards obviously also part of this Milton coaching staff here, one of the outstanding programs in the 7A classification in Georgia. We were lucky enough to have him on Peachtree TV last week, winning a rivalry game against Roswell. Terrence, congratulations to you and your Eagles uh, coaching mates and uh, the players that you're in charge of there. Milton, a very good team right now, and I believe certainly – a potential factor to win this 7a uh, state championship i think the 7a classification is probably as deep as it's been in quite some time here in georgia so congratulations on a great win last week and it sure was fun to have you guys on television i can't wait to 
be back on the set again. Uh, but just give the praise to the to the to the guys. The kids really bought in this week and went out and proved that you know we will be a contender um, in, in the seven A ball. And like you said, it's very deep. So the seven A is going to be very interesting this year. Well, something else that expects to be interesting is Georgia against South Carolina on Saturday. I think I speak for a lot of Georgia fans when I say, Terrence, we're so ready for like UT Martin and Ball State to be in the rearview mirror. Now, Georgia does have UAB again next week, so we're not quite out of the woods fully as of yet. But this is obviously a very different kind of game. Spencer Rattler's a quarterback for South Carolina people have heard of. You know, Gamecocks are certainly a step up in competition, even if Georgia's still expected to win easily. Uh, I am very excited about an SEC game for Georgia. I think this team needs it. And I think it kind of comes as an opportunity for a pretty good reminder to the rest of the country of how good Georgia still is. What do you expect to see from Georgia and South Carolina on Saturday? Uh, It's an SEC game. So you you could go into this game knowing that it's it's not Ball State. It's not UT Martin. This is a a team in in the past that have been a thorn in our side early in the season. So, I'm looking for the guys to come out and, and play their best football on Saturday. I'm going and hoping that the offensive line has, have understand their assignment the last two weeks, the techniques and everything else have been sharpened up. And we can just get out of the non-conference play. It's a conference game, so it is heightened. We have to win this game to achieve the goals of first winning the East to get our opportunity to play for the SEC championship. So it's a goal that – um, that these guys been looking for. Um, like you said earlier, I've been a, 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 a shopping guy to say we're playing for a lot, but the first two weeks have been less desirable for a lot of Georgia fans. So this opportunity at home at 3.30 to show the Georgia faithful, to show the world what we are capable of. I talked about Carson Beck for a couple of minutes before you joined us. My belief that I think that Saturday can be a big day for him. I think it'd be great for him to really introduce himself to the rest of the country with how he plays. But it's also one of those things of, you know, for a guy who said, hey, first start a couple of weeks ago, a little bit of nervousness. Jake Fromm said for my first SEC start, I had even more nervousness that you would perhaps believe that could be true for back again fighting through that having some big throws early kind of setting the tone for this Georgia offense I think it's a pretty big spotlight around Carson Beck but I also think it's a moment that Beck could be ready for uh Terrence what are your expectations for him I expect him to go in and play well uh, I expect him that he will be nervous just like Jake Fromm said but uh it's twofold Jake had an opportunity to hit a wide open Terry gotten yeah. got one. So that's a, a nice, easy throw to make. Uh, so I just suspect that, you know, Coach Bobo get him some easy throws. And if that's a deep ball, but if my guy's wide open, that's, that's still a relative easy throw. Uh, Coach Bobo also said in passes, he loves getting the, the playmakers the ball quickly. So it could be some boots, it could be some screens, it just could, could be some of the easy passes to get brought out in the flats with some play action just to get the nerves out. And once he really get hit or make a big-time throw, um, the nerves will subside pretty quickly. And he's just going back to playing football, something he's been doing his whole life. But I think it, it will be kind of nervous to face your first SEC opponent knowing that this team is it's not UAB, it's not Ball State, it's not UT Martin. This is a legitimate SEC opponent. Even if we are better, there's still an SEC opponent in his first SEC game. So along those lines, I was going to ask you about this because it's the 
cliche that we hear a lot of hey you may be nervous before the game but once you get hit for the first time or maybe perhaps as a wide receiver once you run a route for the first time then after that you sort of settle in and now you're just playing football so when Georgia does have the moment like Terry Godwin running wide open in that game against Mississippi State you have the big play early how much does that allow the entire team then just sort of settle down right after that it does I mean just going out and exciting the crowd exciting the fan base exciting the team like with that big play, and everyone can relax a little bit more. I think even if you're a starring veteran of the team, you still go out there with the sense of, man, we scored on the first place now. Defense, let's go. So it, it kind of brings everybody's anxiety level down a little bit. Um, so I just hope we go out there. I hope we take the ball. I hope we put the offense out there first. And I would love to see just – I don't want to see a big play. I don't, I don't, I don't personally don't want to see a terror guy. I want to see – this offense right here just moves the ball okay. down the field and kind of breaks the defense's wheel on that first drive. Then the defense get the ball back. That's the type of drive that I would like to see from the offense. Uh, a guy that you've touted on our show before is Dylan Bell and last week we saw a very interesting wrinkle with Bell got a chance to be used as a running back and I think a lot of us sort of assume that if they ever needed a running back Bell looks like he could be one because he's kind of a beefy wide receiver you'd discussed that yourself before I think you've made the comparison between him and like say Kiaris Jackson somebody like that who also had a little bit of a beefiness to him from a wide receiver spot well last week we saw Bell get some carries Terrence is that something you'd like to see him do more of do you think that Bell could potentially have value for Georgia especially in a situation where you got some injuries and you know you maybe don't have the full complement of running backs here right now do you foresee a sense in which Georgia may have greater value from Bell keeping him at the running back spot I think so as of right now. We don't have that guy like Kenny McIntosh who could put his foot in the ground and make a guy miss. If you just look at the run that Kenny, that Bell had last week where he made a guy miss, uh, that's something we don't have. We have the big bruisers right now that doesn't have the wiggle to make a guy miss. Yes, they can run over you and, and wear you down, but in the open field we need a guy that can make you miss and take it a touchdown like Dylan Bell had. So, I believe he brings a matchup problem uh, because of his receiving skill and his route running ability if he stays there and get more opportunity at running back. Uh, or as a defensive, do you bring in a, dif- a different sub package to match his ability? So there's a lot of wrinkles that we can do, but I would love to see him get 10 to 15 touches if, that, if, if that's 10 runs and, and five throws. Uh, because he bring a different dimension to the offense that we don't have right now. And, of course, you and me, as students of Georgia football history, we know that a player converted to a running back ahead of a game against South Carolina, that's worked out pretty well in Georgia's past, has it not, Terrence? Oh, most definitely. I, I mean, there was a guy who scored five total touchdowns in his <laughs> first game as, as a running back and about 170 yards. Uh, some guy that you know switched from db to running back and just had a great day um, i don't know him very well but uh <laughs> if we could get that performance from someone i, w- I would love to to see it uh, of course we're talking about terrence's brother robert edwards there on that which is a fun thing to think about and i guess the last thing for me on this is you know my kind of like as obsessive compulsive brain if he is going to get more carries we got to get him out of 86, Terrence. I, I, can't, I, I can't have you back there taking carries wearing number 86. There, there is something about that that just sort of blinds me when I see 86 taking the carries like that. I feel like you got to give him a 30-something number, don't you? Yeah, yes. You know, we, we look at the Falcons' uh, 
receiver turned running yeah, back. Yeah, Cordell Patterson, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, and he, he, he kept 81, but I, I, I just don't know. Uh, Dylan is my guy, and him back there wearing number 86 right now doesn't look right, doesn't feel right. Uh, but if he continues to put up the numbers that he, he has last week versus an SEC opponent, I guess we could stick with 86, but it just doesn't. It doesn't look right back there running the ball and being the player that he is. We got to get him in, in a get him some different swag as these kids say today. And he don't have the drip right now. Number eighty six playing that position. I, I like it, Terrence. That's a good thought. Uh, one more player I wanted to mention here with you for a moment. That's Makai Muse. I think you and I talked about Muse a little bit last week. But, you know, he goes out and does big things again on Saturday. You know, Terrence, this is a real thing right now. I mean, he's a huge weapon. And for Georgia offense, it's still trying to kind of figure out its way here right now. Shorter fields, perhaps adding a score on special teams to kind of keep that point total where you want it to be. All of that, I believe, takes on an extra value for Georgia here right now. How important do you think Muse has been? And how important do you think he'll continue to be for Georgia here this season? Well... You know, I'm not going to pat myself on the back, yeah. but I did say before the season started, we was on, I said Makai Muse will have a big impact on this team before the season even started. I think it was the week before the season started, and I brought that up. Like, Makai Muse is going to have a big impact, man. He's just not a G-Day superstar because I've seen him do this week in and week out at practice, the opportunities that I got to. Go see practice, and he he has practiced against the number one defense the last few years, and he's been able to just showcase his talent. So this is this is not a blip; this is a trend, and he's going to be a guy that make big plays for us, and he has so far in the first two weeks. Absolutely, and there's something about this that Terrence is kind of old school from the standpoint that you know the punt return game hasn't been a huge deal for Georgia in the last few years, but really. Teams don't return punts for long gains at all, really, anymore. I mean, I guess they're scoring so much other ways that teams aren't punting, you know, very much. But, like, the whole kick return game now is just so much less than it once was, not just to Georgia, but kind of across the board. When you look at the, like, the leaders in punt return touchdowns for a season, I mean, you know, you go back 10 years ago, uh, the numbers for, like, most punt returns much higher than they are now in a typical year. So there's an element of, like, Muse and the special teams that's a little bit of like a throwback to kind of an old school time in, in college football back when the kick game just meant so much more than it seems to me now. Well, Jeff, I think the, the punt teams now have been so uh, – it's definitely because of the, the tight splits that we used to have when I played, but now they have the spread splits where you're getting everyone out with the spread splits. You're able now to get more agile, deep defenders running down and having a big offensive lineman that's the pass protectors, but now you have more coverage with guys that are used to be tackling in space. Uh, the rugby-style kicking now allows the coverage team to get down where there's not a lot of returns uh, been had, so you don't see a lot of returns, but all, all we need is Makai to average about 10 yards to carry um, on this punt, so that's a first down, essentially. And field position, I mean, you don't have to take them. As long as we're getting the field position, he's catching the football when he when he needs to catch him. He's not bobbling them, so he's making great decisions back there. And I, I foresee him to stay. I think Ladd has been there um, the last few years. I don't need Ladd back there with his back injury. Uh, Makai has done a great job, and uh, he continues on this role. He's going to be up for some special teams award. But he's been a great impact so far. 
uh, for us, and I, as I predicted, that he would be. No, absolutely right. You sure did, Terrence. Great stuff. Thank you for being here as a part of uh, our program here today. And for folks who want to get more of the insight you have there on social media, obviously working with great wide receivers and pass catchers, how can they connect with the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy? Uh, you can find me on all social media platforms at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, always a great pleasure to talk to you. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Love having Terrence on the show. Love his thoughts there about Makai Muse. And Muse is two things at once. He is, as we said, a really important player for Georgia right now. When I start thinking about what I need to see from Georgia on Saturday, <laughs> Makai Muse is a part of my game plan right now. You know, creating a short field for this Georgia offense. If we talk about getting off to a faster start as a way of just settling Georgia into the game, Muse helps with that. He can give you a short field on a kick return, and you can do something with that. But in addition to being an important part of the story overall for Georgia, he's also a great story in his own right. And I do like stuff like this. I really do. And I love the fact that Georgia, in the midst of five-star this and future first-round pick that, also has the guy who came out of nowhere. And there's always a couple of guys who came out of nowhere, seemingly on every one of these really good Georgia teams. And I'm just glad that football leaves room for that. I mean – Clearly, we gravitate towards a lot of the blue chip prospects because they're interesting to talk about. We talked about elite recruits off the top of the show today. But I also like the fact that, you know, football is a sport where you don't have to start from the same place the elite recruit did, but y'all can finish the same spot. Love that about this game, man. It's really, really a fun thing. And I can't wait to see what Muse does next against South Carolina on Saturday. Something else I can't wait for, that's the chance to be back on the Caribbean again very soon. I, I need – I can only go so long without getting a little bit of beach in my life, a little bit of uh, – Caribbean Sea in my life, being on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. And the good news is, I got a chance to experience this with so many of you coming up in just a uh, brief amount of time. Really, it'll be here before you know it. I'm talking about April of 2024 for the Dog Nation cruise that comes up on board Allure of the Seas. This is the first ever opportunity for us because our Dog Nation cruise this year is going to be bigger and better than it's ever been before because we're going to be on an Oasis class ship. Now, if you don't cruise very much or you hadn't cruised before at all, let me explain to you why this is different. It's because what the Oasis-class ships did when they were introduced by Royal Caribbean is they kind of set a new standard in terms of things to do on board the ship. In addition to the cool stuff that Royal Caribbean had been doing for a while, the Oasis-class ships introduced like the Aqua Theater on the back of the ship. That means you have another entertainment experience, the high diving shows and the things like that, which is really unlike anything else that exists at sea the broadway style shows the additional neighborhoods you know you have the royal promenade but on the oasis class ship you also have like the boardwalk neighborhood that's like a carousel and great restaurants and sort of feels like you're on coney island or you have the central park neighborhood which is really like walking through a a, a park like right in the middle of a town somewhere you have these like cool bars and restaurants you're walking through you have live foliage flora and fauna like real actual growing plants and you're walking through all of that it's so peaceful and so tranquil it's hard to imagine while you're walking through there that you're actually at sea but you are and so that's why this year's dog nation crew is going to be bigger and better than it's ever been before because we're going to be on board an oasis class ship like allure of the sea so please check out jessica slater great travel agent uh especially selected for us by royal crib and you can give her a call 770-718-9147 that's 770-718-9147 or email her jslaterdreamvacations.com and you can also check out royaldogs.com that's the uh, website for our dog nation crews to find out more about what we're going to be doing here this upcoming april all right let's talk about a couple things here for a moment so 
there is pretty clearly a narrative forming around the SEC. And to be frank, I'm not quite so sure that it's wrong. Um, Alabama has lost to Texas. For now, Texas does not count as an SEC team. LSU has lost to Florida State. South Carolina, who George will see on Saturday, it has lost to North Carolina. And you're looking at a scenario in which the SEC is kind of collecting more losses. Florida's lost to Utah as part of this, even though Florida's not very good. Not really carrying the flag for the SEC, but nonetheless, it counts against the SEC's record. You're looking at a scenario right now in which the SEC, by perception, is weaker than it's been in a good number of years. And I don't think you can argue against that too much. It just seems like that's probably true. But the question is, does that end up being a problem for Georgia? Is Georgia's resume for playoff and seeding within the playoff and things like that, is that going to be hurt by the current perception of the SEC? I'm of the belief that no, it will not. And that's why I think that Saturday is important. What Georgia is playing to do is prove that it kind of transcends the SEC right now, the same way that Clemson at one point in time would have transcended a very weak ACC. Uh, it's a lot more difficult to transcend the SEC just given the overall depth of the league. But Georgia, uh, based on the overall program strength that it has right now, can do that. In other words, here is what the narrative I think should be, and we'll see this possibly form over the course of the next few weeks. The narrative that's going to form is is that it's not about, oh, it's a weaker SEC. It's about everybody is weaker in comparison to Georgia. Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State of the Big Ten, uh, the rest of the SEC for sure, the Texases, the USC's, perhaps the Florida States, that nobody plays at the same level that Georgia does. That is, for the most part, what last season was all about. And I still don't know that people properly appreciated not just the fact that Georgia won another national championship, but how easy it made it look. You know, you can, and there's always going to be some sort of naysayer that loves to kind of, oh, well, Georgia kept it close against Missouri, and ah, Georgia could have lost Ohio State. The fact of the matter is, over the course of a 15-game season, Georgia had 13 games that were incredibly easy, and a couple of them where they, for the most part, kind of had to go down to the wire. Y'all, that is a historic level of dominance in terms of a march towards national championship. And sure, they could have lost, uh, but you know, we don't judge a team by whether or not it could have lost. LSU, which is kind of you know, usually considered one of the best single-season teams of all time. It could have lost to Auburn uh, back in 2019. Auburn wasn't a very good team either that particular year. The point is, is that Georgia won a national championship last year as easy as one will ever win a national championship. I think that this year it's at least possible it could do the same thing again. That's why I want to see what the result looks like against South Carolina. If Georgia beats South Carolina as bad this year as it has the last couple of years, then I think we could be on our way to seeing Georgia establish itself as a team that's not kind of dragged down by a weaker SEC. The resume isn't punished by that because what Georgia demonstrates is that it not only transcends the SEC in the somewhat watered-down league that it perhaps is this year, but it also just sort of transcends the rest of the sport there as well. But let's game this out for a moment. Let's say that Georgia takes a loss because even with Georgia's dominant as it is, statistically speaking, a loss is still – I don't want to say probable, but it's likely, right? I mean, a loss is, you know, certainly, you know, a, a, a possibility, if nothing else. So what if Georgia were to be 12 and 1? What if Georgia, let's, let's give you both versions of the 12 and 1. If they're 12 and 1 SEC champion, even in a weak SEC, I can't imagine a scenario in which they were excluded from the college football playoff. I can't imagine that. But what if their 12 and 0 turns into a 12 and 1 after an SEC championship? meaning that Georgia were to lose the SEC championship because while I wouldn't expect the SEC West winner to be better than Georgia, anything can happen on a single game base. What happens then? Too early to get too worried about this now, 
But let me tell you what my argument will be if that occurs. Obviously, Georgia made the playoff and won the national championship in 2021 after losing in the SEC championship. If that scenario were to happen again in terms of Georgia losing in December, some people would say, oh, well, the SEC is not strong enough right now for a league to get two teams in or for a league like that to get a non-conference champion in. But I'm going to tell you right now that Georgia, on the basis of having won the last two national championships, unless it does something to truly disqualify itself from competition, Georgia deserves the chance to defend its belt in the college football playoff. It does. It deserves a chance to defend its title in the college football playoff. Um, You cannot exclude Georgia from a national championship in a boardroom. You have to give them a right to play that out on the field. That's what I believe anyway. And ultimately, I believe that Georgia, by its own level of play, may make this a moot discussion, I believe. But, uh, But just keep in mind that if Georgia, by tripping up or by whatever reason, kind of brings this into discussion, there are a lot of people who are going to want to use the relative weakness of the SEC against Georgia if this becomes a resume comparison game. So keep your eye on that. Speaking of SEC teams that have already lost, LSU, they get a chance to show what they're all about going on the road on Saturday to Mississippi State. Now, this is a very different version of Mississippi State than it has been. Uh, Right now, Will Rogers, you know, he's throwing the ball like all season long, almost less than he would throw it in like one game when he was obviously working for the uh, Mike Leach offense last couple of years. LSU on Saturday is about a nine, nine and a half point favorite. They're on the road. I think this is an important game for LSU. There's been some chatter coming out of Baton Rouge. There's like some infighting going on there that not everybody's on the same page. It seems like this is a little bit of a team. I mean, at least if you believe the rumor mill stuff, there's a little bit of a culture issue down there right now. And I am still of the belief that LSU can be an elite football team. I, I, I do believe that. I think Florida State beating LSU probably says more about how good Florida State is than it potentially says about how bad LSU might be, I think anyway. But if what I'm saying is true, LSU's got to go on the road on Saturday and show that against a first-time head coach playing in his first ever SEC game that you know kind of just barely beat Arizona a week ago. This needs to be a big day for LSU on Saturday. So in what is a pretty soft slate for college football in week three, there's some kind of put-up or shut-up type moments. We kind of discussed Tennessee in that vein yesterday. LSU is one of those teams for Saturday against Mississippi State. Now, there have been some very memorable LSU-Mississippi State games over the years, and good LSU teams have not always handled Mississippi State well. Uh, So this is not an automatic spot for LSU by a long shot, but it is a spot in which LSU, I think, needs to show what they're all about. We'll see if they're capable of doing that. And then I'll just quickly mention this. And what is otherwise, you know, as I said before, kind of a weak, uh, a week w-e-a-k week w-e-e-k week th- uh, a week week three slate if you get my drift there on that um interesting to see missouri with kansas state coming to call there on saturday you know missouri's kind of settled on brady cook as its starting quarterback and you know i think a lot of folks sort of expected like a sam horn who went to collins hill throwing the ball to travis hunter a couple of years ago or a Jake Garcia who had transferred in from Miami. I think a lot of folks thought one of those guys might emerge as the starting quarterback. But right now, it seems like Cook's going to be the guy there from Missouri. And I don't think this Missouri team is very good. They just barely beat Middle Tennessee State a week ago. So if Missouri is going to have any chance to start any SEC play with momentum, uh, what they do against Kansas State on Saturday could be a little bit interesting. So we'll watch that a little bit as one of the handful of games around the uh, SEC this week uh, of note. Also, you get Arkansas hosting BYU. Uh, I think these are all very important games for Sam Pittman. I like Pittman a lot. He needs to find wins where he can get them. And this game against BYU on Saturday is an example of that. But keep in mind, 
Arkansas is also playing without its terrific running back, Rocket Sanders, on Saturday, too. So a little bit of an issue there for the Hogs. We'll see how that plays. That will make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, uh, before we wrap up here today, many Georgia fans got some strange news yesterday. It's been difficult to know exactly how to process this. Ian Rappaport's a terrific reporter that covers the NFL for NFL.com, NFL Network. Let me show you what he put out on yesterday that the Rams have placed rookie quarterback Stetson Bennett on the reserve NFI list. NFI stands for non-football injury, taking him off the uh, the active roster. The quote that Rappaport shares from Sean McVay is, out of respect for him in the situation, I'm going to leave all those specifics in particular in-house. I went to try to watch the full press conference from McVeigh from the Rams it seems like they may have edited out the first beginning portion of this or at least they just started the recording late or something like that some of the other stuff that he said it was not you know easily found but there are quotes coming out of this from the uh, Rams media that this is not related to a shoulder injury that that Bennett was dealing with during the preseason not related to that this is as the list would suggest a non-football injury now we are obviously not going to speculate on anything as it relates to this here right now in terms of what what this might be but we are comfortable saying this that if it's a non-football injury that's keeping him away from the football field right now that's at least something that's worthy of our prayers for Bennett right can we understand that that we may not want to speculate openly about what Bennett might be going through that's taking him away from football but if something away from the field is taking him off the active roster then certainly Bennett's worthy of our prayers here right now. So we really sincerely, truly uh, will be praying for Stetson on this, that whatever's going on here that's taking him away from football, that he has a satisfactory resolution to that. Uh, Stetson, I hope, knows how beloved he is by so many Georgia fans, how thankful so many of us are for uh, the great happy memories that he brought two straight national championship teams to UGA. And we won't presume to know what's going on here right now, but this was a little bit of an odd announcement yesterday uh the kind of thing that kind of promotes some concern of course and so we'll watch it and we'll see where this goes and if there's new information we'll obviously give it to you but for a lot of folks who are excited about the chance to be a, to see stats and be a backup to, to, to matthew stafford to work with a quarterback friendly coach like sean mcveigh to really be a part of a rams organization that can be a pretty good spot for a quarterback for now it seems like that's kind of put on pause so we will see what comes next in all of this, and uh, we'll truly, sincerely, uh, heartfelt be sending out prayers to Stetson for whatever it is that's causing him to be away from that Rams organization here right now, so more details when they become available. And on a much happier note, uh, let's get ready to wrap things up today with a golden shoe. We started the program today by laughing at those lousy, stinking Gators of Florida because of their anger over a recruiting loss that's not necessarily a recruiting loss to Georgia, but it's a recruiting loss that benefits Georgia right now because the guy that's leaving Gainesville, Makai Boro, is actually visiting Georgia this weekend, so that's at least fun to consider. And never a bad time to make fun of the lousy sticking Gators. With that in mind, Bill Sanders writes in to say, it's always a great day to be a Gator hater. And you see a kid in the spelling bee saying, your word is Gators. And Bill says, Gators, G-A-R-B-A-G-E, Gators, yeah garbage is more like it bill you're absolutely right about that very very funny stuff very deserving of a golden shoe here today and speaking of the lousy stinking gators this week not the only loss they'll take How about 44 days from right now at the hands of george and the cocktail party once again fun to think about that that's our gator hater countdown we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp